and welcome to episode the 23rd of the internet's one and only podcast about comic books just crying in the book club i am crying a lot in the book club because i'm getting over covid this week so yay me uh i'm your host jean-luc and i'm joined as always by emily hello and as most of the time by alex your voice has a certain sickly gravitas to it a little a little edgier a little a little 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 more yeah i appreciate you referring to me being stuffed up as having gravitas (laughs) that's that makes me that does make me feel a little bit better so thank you alex yeah i mean if chad was editing this show you probably wouldn't have to even boost your base so I, I don't think my base was ever the base that had to get boosted. Emily's definitely does. That's is wow. that true? I learned that trick from Chad. Yeah. Oh, I never. I, based, listen- I never boost my base when I edit myself. So I listened to an episode that Chad edited, and I heard my voice, and I was like, "Who's that?" And I was like, "Oh, it's not me. <laughs> it is me." So it made me feel bad about my voice. Uh, not that I feel bad about my voice, but well, you know, maybe you were just sick that week or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's possible, but I. I think once you've been boosted by Chad, you just like <laughs> your life. Yeah, you, you'll never you'll never sound the same to yourself once you've heard what Chad can do to your voice. I so. avoid that by just not listening to myself when I can help it. <laughs> yeah, funny. I only talk with earphone with headphones in. I, I don't I don't want to hear my, myself. Absolutely, Get, like not. nice noise canceling earbuds and noise canceling over ears, and yeah. then I just use those to talk. Exactly. So you're like, and I have like a little microphone on the other end that other people talk into, so I can I can hear them, exactly. but not myself. Yeah, wow. That's why I got into podcasting because I hate my own voice <laughs> so much. Anyway, is that what we're doing here? Is that, we are, is a, is a podcast. We're, we're recording a podcast. You could okay. say that. Some could um, say that. Yeah, Ooh, it, are we talking Scooby Doo Apocalypse because of the hit show of Elma? Sure. Oh, that would have been smart, actually. Oh, to, yeah. You know, dovetail one dog shit Scooby Doo product with another. I wanted to like Miss, Mr. Scooby Doo Apocalypse. I probably read like twenty five issues. I yeah. wanted to read <laughs> Scooby Doo Apocalypse, up. and yeah. I never did. So I'm kind of glad that it's dog shit because it makes me feel better about not having. It was read just it the first like. Time. Yeah, I, I, I'm having a much better time with Velma than I than I did with. Scooby Didn't it like sell out at comic book shops? Ugh, sure, but comic readers are like, whoa, that doesn't really. Yeah, that, no, that's... I mean, I that I know that has it, nothing to do with the quality. It might have just I just been think original. it's. I think it's funny that it sold out and it I think, ended up. I, being I think the first shit. issue was a Jim Lee issue, Jim Lee drawn, Jim Lee cover, uh, and then the rest was not. Like the rest of the whole series was not, and it was okay. just like, oh my gosh, Scooby Doo, but it, like it had a cool cover art style and. I think Shaggy had like a sort of hipster beard and mustache. Yeah, he did. Um, I do remember seeing that cover. Yeah. For Jimothy Lee. We are not here to talk about Scooby-Doo Apocalypse. No. Yeah. Ex Machina, the Brian K. Vaughn book. Well, we are we are going to talk about Brian K. Vaughn in a little I'm bit. I'm kidding. I don't yet. You didn't read Machina. 25 issues? <laughs> I have them. I got them. I just haven't read any because I spent all this morning reading something else for this podcast. Spoilers yeah, you... for what we're doing. I, I don't yes. know if it's next, but I think it's next. I think it is next. Emily's Emily's hair is, is apt this week. It's apt every week. <laughs> Specifically, that's true. As but we go is, into uh, the green, it is particularly suitable for our big green boy, uh, Swamp Thing. Uh, this week, I, uh, I I really liked Alex's 
Batman Through the Ages idea that we did a few episodes ago. I guess it's like 10 episodes ago. It's been a while now. And so I figured I would, you know, curate a selection of Swamp Thing stories uh, for us to read for, for this episode. We have six individual Swamp Thing issues that we read from ranging from uh, 19, the 1960s or 1970s, uh, 1971 through 2021. So we got the whole 50 year run of, of our boy. I didn't even realize it didn't occur to me that 2021 was the 50th anniversary of Swamp Thing. That's a little and scary. He really got nothing. He got, I mean, they got the, they launched the, the Ram V Mike Perkins book, which we are going to talk about an issue of, but where's my Swamp Thing hundred page special right? from it, all the big writers? Yeah. I'm sure Alan Moore would have loved to come back for that. <laughs> a little solid for DC Comics there. John, I'm glad yeah, that you wanted to so. do this because uh, up until today, uh, my experience with Swamp Thing was only the Ram V series that we read on the comics podcast. So, uh, I mean, I, you know, I was oh. like aware of Swamp Thing and, you know, I'd heard of them, but I, <laughs> th- this was my like real introduction into. Uh, like what what's going on with this big green guy and his uh wife with the white hair and the one black streak <laughs> or sometimes uh, Abby, Ar- Abby Arcane. Abby yeah. Arcane. Yeah. Yeah, who none of the Swamp Thing writers can drop her and for good reason. When you <laughs> I, like, I genuinely I'm not joking. I think she's got a great character design and so oh, I I, love her. I think that like that probably helps uh you know, like you kind of just want to draw her. Yeah, I I love Abby Arcane. I, I'm glad that she especially it, there's one issue in... where she briefly has like short hair. Ooh, mama, yeah, like she was <laughs> very cute. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you, you can see why you can see why the big the big mold guy would fall for her. You, you can you, you can I, you can really see it. I think the entirety of Scott Snyder and Unique Paquette and Marco Rudiza and Francisco Francavilla, actually. I was surprised that the issue that you chose <laughs> for that run was Francisco Francavilla, and I completely forgot he did that issue. It's yeah. like, because I remember Unique, Unique Paquette's art being really good and Marco Rudy, and it's like, wait, they also got, like... Yeah, they got Francavilla for an issue, yeah. Talk about, like, a, you know, a 20-issue run that had, like, arguably, like, the best artists on it, and it's like, well, that's, that's a pretty good run for it's it. It's up there, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely up there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Abby had short hair for that run. She short did, hair. yeah. That's the one where she has short hair. And there's that there's that cover of her with short hair with her back turned holding a shotgun. Uh, 14-year-old Jean-Luc loved that. Oh, I bet. <laughs> um, but anyway, we're, we're starting with, of course, uh, the origin story of Swamp Thing, which is uh, House of Secrets number 92, uh, written by Len Wein and, and drawn by Bernie Wrightson. Uh, Len Wein obviously would go on to, to write the first run on the character. But I figured that we would, you know, kick it off with this uh, eight-page origin story that's basically been kept pretty consistent with it, with a couple tweaks uh, through the, you know, decades of, of Swamp Thing's existence. Uh, this is the from the second run of House of Secrets, uh, which is was DC's, uh, like, horror supernatural anthology similar to how like detective comics was the you know detective sort of crime anthology series one thing was that but for horror um so 
this issue, which is House of Secrets uh, number 92, features uh, an eight-page origin story of Swamp Thing, uh, which details the story of Alex Olsen being killed in a lab accident by his best friend uh, so that his best friend can, you know, marry his wife, Linda, and steal her out from under Alex's, uh, you know, from under Alex's nose. Um, it's incredibly melodramatic. Oh, it's so melodramatic. It's, yeah, like the whole thing is is about how like, you know, Linda has like kind of started to figure out that uh, Alex was killed um, and not just that he was killed, but that he was killed by his friend Damien and she's, you know, started giving him the cold shoulder. And so he decides, oh, I got to kill her too. Uh, as much as I love her, I, I can't let the secret of my that, of my that turn is get is out so quick. Where he's just like in one thought bubble is like she knows I got to kill her. It's just yeah. like yeah. there's no thought. He's just like, hey, this is House of Mystery number ninety two, and this is what I'm gonna do. Wish me luck. Yeah, yeah. It's only a matter of time before she realizes that I killed Alex, and that will mean my end. However much I care for Linda, my own neck comes first. Linda so must die. It's a I, great panel. Yeah, and, and it's a great, like, eight pages. It feels like a lot longer because it's pretty dense in terms of, like, There's so much text in these eight pages. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, like, different era of comics where you're like, wow, they really, like, like, they do 40-page issues, and it would take you probably, like, 40 minutes to read because it'd be, like, <laughs> every page would be, like, these pages. And it's, like, now you read, like, a, a DC comic, it could take you, like, five minutes. And you're like, oh. oh. That was a nice little bite of entertainment. Yeah. yeah it's, it's called value for your money, Alex. Yeah, it's not called bad writing. It's called, <laughs> it's called value for your money. <laughs> to be fair, I, I in this case, I don't even think it's particularly bad writing. I, I genuinely really enjoy the sort of, like, overbearing tone that the narrator strikes and the yeah like you it's sort of revealed at the end that the narrator is swamp thing alex olsen and it's about how like f depressed and sad he is about being you know exiled to the swamp um, yeah well it's like a the writing and stuff just fits the tone of it the melodramatic like you know, I used to be a human. Now I'm an ugly creature and I just want to love this person and I can't. And it's just like, it works great. Uh, but when every other comic at the time was doing it, it's like, oh boy, <laughs> there's some, you know, it, it kind of goes on it. Um, but I just love that. It's just like, it sets Swamp Thing up as being like this, just his love story or like love story, but like a love story that, you know, like, a, like a say, you know, it's a sad love it's story. A tragic love story. Yeah. Sad old Swampy boy. I, I really love the last page of, of this story just for all the like sad Swamp Thing faces that Bernie Wrightson draws. Uh, he he looks very different here. He's definitely like more furry than, you know, mossy and, and covered with plants like he would be in later iterations. But there's just a panel after he breaks in through the window to save Linda and you turn the page and he's just holding his hands out, making a sad, sad face. And then she sort of responds in a terrified way. And he's just like, walks back out into the swamp, like moping. Like if you know, if you're familiar with like the Virgin Chad, uh, meme, he's doing like the Virgin walk back into the swamp. God. <laughs> Bernie writes in the, uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the guy who came up with the meme. Well, it's it's genuinely I don't know like 
Yeah. You're not writing, wrong. You... I just hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. The writing is melodramatic and a bit over the top, but I, I genuinely think that like Wrightson really sells that, you know, like Alex said, like that emotional core that's at the heart of, of Swamp Thing in, in those last two pages, the sort of just like devastation and loneliness at being, you know, basically sent back out into the swamp by himself. It's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, for a first appearance, it's cool. And it like does leave a, does leave a nice, uh, impression where you're like oh i feel bad for that swamp monster thing yeah but we'll probably never see him again so <laughs> never no yeah never again yeah like it felt like a little bit of a drag to get into it first because like i said there's there's so much text and you just kind of like it's just a different style of reading than other com- like more modern comics so like it took a minute to adjust but like i it was an enjoyable little like sad love story like it didn't really there wasn't any fluff like it just sort of happens and then it's over yeah yeah, yeah. uh and it's from this that you know len ween was given i think it ended up being 13 issues was his original run on swamp thing uh and then was, it, was this the same year like they did this anthology and either like presumably either, either had good success or len ween enjoyed writing it and, and, and did it um the same year as his first run was, on the was character. his debut and then the run was, was there a lot of time between that no they were they were i'm, I'm pretty sure they were in the same year that his mm-hmm. uh, like this happened and then the standalone series uh came out of it pretty soon after and then of course ended uh in i think 1974 a few years later uh, it didn't it didn't make it very long it didn't make it out of the 70s the the original len ween run um which then brings us to the the 1982 saga of the swamp thing uh which our next issue is from which this actually was not originally written by alan moore although the the issue that we are gonna read it that we did read is uh one of the many alan moore issues from his really long run on swamp thing uh we read swamp thing number 34 which a lot of people who've read this will recognize as being a very iconic issue uh of the run uh, but this was actually they actually rebooted it because of the west graven movie that was released in 1982 uh, based on the character of Swamp Thing, which again has some similarities to the, to the original origin story. I like totally uh, forgot that that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. It's not Wes Craven's best as a Wes Craven fan. Yeah. It is not Wes Craven's best work. I, I don't know if I, I assume you haven't seen it, Emily. I don't know if you've no, seen it. Like, I ge- no, like genuinely, I like forgot that it existed. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably better that way, all things <laughs> considered. I, I mean, swamp th- the the swamp thing like costuming that they did actually does look pretty good. But okay. other than it's that, cool. it's, it's cool it's, that they damn, uh, it had a sequel. I mean, it wasn't really the origin of it, but it was like, oh my gosh, there's a movie. Let's do a comic tie-in because people will read that. <laughs> yeah, like, this might have been the one time where it was like, oh, wow, people actually read the thing because it's Alan Moore's swamp thing. <laughs> cool. Yeah, and then, you know, this run obviously became very famous because Alan Moore picked it up. Um, So this issue, Swamp Thing number 34, sort of picks up after... The the series is structured as basically a bunch of small micro arcs, but the first, like, I don't know, 10, 15 issues or so all build up to, like, this big confrontation between uh, Anton Arcane and, and Swamp Thing. 
And so this is sort of one of the downtime issues that comes after that. There's a there's an issue before this where they meet these little cool little space aliens. Uh, the the actually the issue directly previous to this issue thirty three reprints the original Len Wein story, but changes the names of the characters to actually reflect what their nice. names are. So mm-hmm. Alec Holland and Abby Arcane rather than Alex Olson and Linda whatever her last yeah, name is. And I think yeah. I think Stephen Bissett does a cover where it's like it's like, it's it's it's, you know, it's the same yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. but it's like in the modern style. Which is yep, cool. Stephen Bissett redrew the the cover for thirty oh, issue thirty three. Yeah, yeah. And Stephen Bissett does the interiors uh, for this issue. I like this with, issue. Um, it's a it's a fucking banger. Of an yeah. Issue. The, but no. just briefly, I, just this is the uh, issue where where Swamp Thing and Abby sort of finally confess their love for one another. So also has like a little high on the melodrama in the first few pages. Uh, but then Swamp Thing gives her a fruit that comes from his body that she eats that basically it's allows so her. It's so gross and weird. <laughs> it, yeah. is, it is a top 10 sex scene in a comic. <laughs> yeah. But it's fucking it, gorgeous. Uh, it allows her to, to sort of see the world from his perspective and the the way that he feels like the interconnectedness of nature and everything uh in a really yeah. like sort of psychedelic trippy kind of a uh, five or six page and like sequence. nicely intimate way that it's like because they're like oh my gosh like we confessed our love to each other and then she's like nice and he's like yeah i can't really be like physically intimate like people can be but like you can eat this fruit from my heart i can let it's you like, get what? fucked up <laughs> yeah and then after she's like that was great and he's like that was great it's, it's yeah. just a really, I mean, it's a gorgeous comic, like you guys said, but it's just a really cute, it's got a lot of really cute scenes. Like when, when Abby first tells, you know, old Swampy that she likes him and he just, his, there's a scene where it just it zooms in on his eye and he's like so shocked, but also like so happy. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> but I'm, I'm Swamp Thing. Did, didn't you read House of Mystery number 92? I'm a sad boy. I can't, I can't be happy. What? <laughs> Yeah, that that sequence where he's like trying to give her advice about what she should do <laughs> and being compl- and is completely oblivious is uh it's a it's a great page. Emily, what did you think about this issue? Oh, like I said, I, I liked it. Um the art was just incredible. Uh you know, I love a classic monster fucker story and that's basically <laughs> what Swamp Thing is a lot of the time, which is great. Um, but, uh, you know, like Alan Moore's Swamp Thing is like iconic. So I was glad to sort of get like this nice bite-sized bit of it. Uh, I, I gotta say I was a little, um, thrown off with the, the offering of the pod, the body fruit, but you know, um, (laughs) sometimes you you just gotta go, go with it. Does he have like multiple like can he just like replicate that or is it It looks like he had several of them no he he can make more of those okay good so they'll be nice cool i'm good for them it's good yeah one for every day (laughs) slightly different she can trip like as many times as she wants yeah just and then the 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 book ends on on abby asking him like does this mean we're going out i thought that and then it's just silent. Like a wonderful one-liner at the end. Oh it's yeah, just... like that made me smile real, real bad. That was really cute. Yeah. yeah. After this, like you know, 
insanely gorgeous sequence of pages where she's just talking about how like she's experiencing the world in ways she's never experienced it before and you know feeling the, the web of nature and the, the the cosmic connections that the natural world has and at the end of that she's like oh yeah we didn't know she's like doing finger guns basically she doesn't show it but she's like we didn't know haha yeah yeah no i don't I, this is a this is a I, this is a great issue of Alan Moore's run. It's it's one of my favorite issues, partially because you know it is so standalone, so you can read it outside of the context of the rest of the run, which is why I chose it. But also, I think thematically, it's you know touches on a lot of the important parts of uh, of Swamp Thing. Yeah. So hmm. uh, the the next issue I had us read is. Technically, from this same volume of Swamp Thing, um, in terms of, you know, this is many years later after many creative teams have gone through, uh, a little guy called Mark Millar. You up the bastard! Bank. You snuck a Mark Millar comic <laughs> in here. Yeah, yeah I, I, I debated whether or not so. With uh, issue number 140, I believe, Mark Millar and Grant Morrison co-wrote a four-issue story on this book. Mm -hmm. And I thought about doing that, but none of those issues... I mean, this issue doesn't stand alone super well, but none of those issues are are, are very are very standalone. So I figured I'd go with a, a Swamp Thing number 145 by Mark Millar and Philip Hester from August of 1994, uh, which tells the story of... Swamp Thing being hunted uh, in the swamp by, uh, oh, what is that fucker's name? Uh, Colonel Nelson Strong, um, of course, Nothing. which is a banger name for for this character who is just like a you know a, just a classic. He sure the fuck operator. is Colonel Nelson Strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, you would you would be forgiven for opening this book and thinking that was Deathstroke because. It's a guy in an orange costume with big guns and an eye patch and a Death white mustache. Deathstroke doesn't smoke a pipe like that. He's a cigarette guy. That's yeah. Oh, he's a cigar he, guy. He's a cigar guy. I think he's a cigar guy. He's I don't think guy. he's a cigarette he, guy. He's not a pipe guy. Like this is yeah. A bit he's definitely too, like, not a pipe guy. A pipe guy. He doesn't have like the old English royalty of Colonel Nelson Strong. Alexandre David. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um. But it's sort of revealed as the issue goes on that that Nelson Strong had a, a he had a similar experience to to Abby, you could say, in the in the other issue that we read, where he ate some psychedelic mushrooms and saw Swamp Thing, and it terrified him so much that he became a big game hunter, hunting the uh, different monsters of the world. And and while that's going on, Swamp Thing is being hunted by the the Parliament of Trees and. There's this sort of great scene where uh, a Brussels sprout comes alive on an airplane. God, it's so funny. Turns itself into like an avatar of the green and tries to fuck him up. And then they blow up the plane. Uh, that That is a part of the, the larger, you know, 25 issue story that Mark Millar was telling about, you know, Swamp Thing going like having encounters with different like elemental forces Hmm. Uh, over the course of the run. But what did you guys think of uh, of this issue? I mean, the, the Brussels sprout coming to life made me laugh really hard. Uh, it's I, good I, like, I really, yeah. I enjoyed that sequence. Um, I don't know, Alex, what did you think? I think it's, it's, 
I mean, many Mark Millar trappings, maybe not, definitely not as intense as some of the Mark Millar stuff I've read. Yeah, it wasn't as, uh, as it wasn't as out there. It wasn't as Mark Millar-y as I tend to expect. <laughs> there's, there's a gorgeous scene that goes sort of, it's, it's black and red and white, um, where the guy's tripping on mushrooms. And he's like, you know, there's some narration and it's nice. And it's like, oh, like, this is cool that this book's doing something different with the art. And the next page is him saying, and then I shit my pants. Yeah, that I was waiting for, that I know and love. It's just like he takes a moment that could be like you know, not Alan Mori, but like you know a nice like Swamp Thing moment of something like that, where it's like some prose and some good stuff, and then he has to be like, and then I shit my pants. (laughs) Mark Millar, let's go. Well, it is like it is classic Mark Millar to like you know take something that is really beautiful and kind of take the structure of it and invert it to be something that is you know most definitely not Mm -hmm. and you know create out of a a similar situation to abby create like this villain of a character uh i I do like that i have to say i really love the phil hester art in in this issue i think that he he draws the hell out of colonel strong i think that that like he looks great uh, Dead Man shows up for a bit uh, yeah. in the body of this like short stout. I was PSA I was delighted guy. to see Dead Man. Yeah, no, I love I love seeing my boy Boston Brand when he's just he's, like when he when he shows up. And he's like, he's ah, gotcha! It's me, uh, Dead Man. It's me, Boston Brand. <laughs> it's a it's a great bit where he's taking uh, Swamp Thing's passport and he's like Matthew Cable, which is the person who is Swamp Thing at this point. And he's like. Aren't you the Swamp Thing? <laughs> and he's I, like, I, "What the fuck?" And but it's and it's it's Dead Man uh, yeah. in the body. It's, really it's good. Good. there's like a lot, there's like some good stuff here. To be honest, I it didn't yeah. hate it for sure. Honestly, uh, until the part where he's like, "I shit my pants," I was like, "Oh, cool." Yeah, there, there's definitely like, some. There's yeah. definitely some of the Malar reverence here that is the really, like annoying vegan hippie guy. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, that guy sucks. Would, like the shit. The shit that. Yeah. The shit that's just like, yeah, reader, I'm too cool for this as well. Uh, <laughs> it's just kind of annoying, and it's for something that is supposed to like ha- that that should have some some gravitas. Like it, it all tends to like comment moments that, like mm-hmm. Alex said, completely undercut. I also feel like uh, I mean, gravitas. we gotta get to know these characters, and like you know, they're all pretty like. They're not deep at all. We get to know them when they're going in this plane, and then they're dead. And it's like they all, oh. they all die. Okay, yeah. and it's it's a nice like when the plane's exploding, it's cool because it's like sort of like a red red sky, and it's like the plane, and then it like morphs into like skeletons, like black skeletons. It's a it's a stuff. beautiful page. Like Phil Hester is a phenomenal artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like that that whole that that page of the of the plane exploding is really evocative. And the you know the the hooded guy who looks like Alan Moore watching it happen, <laughs> which I, I I can only imagine given that this was written by Mark Millar was intentional. Um, oh yeah, but yeah that that that's that's that, and we'll, we're going to sort of come back to talking about some of these in a little bit more depth in a bit, but we're just sort of going to breeze through them a little bit here because um, the next one this is a uh, Swamp Thing number two from the year two thousand. Uh, but you know another name that I think we we probably recognize. Uh, this is of course written by Brian K. Vaughn and drawn by Roger Peterson. Uh, this was published in two thousand one. Uh, this is sort of the first relaunch of the Swamp Thing series after the after Millar's run ends in the nineties. 
Uh, it sort of takes they sort of take a break from having a swamp thing ongoing for five or six years and then relaunch with uh, the BKV book, which focuses on Tefe Holland, who is the, the daughter of Alec and Abby from uh, well, not from the more run, but from the run directly after his. There's a whole complicated backstory to, to how she comes to be. Uh, but this issue uh, picks up uh, right after she fakes her death. Uh, in issue number one uh, and she sort of finds herself in back in touch with her powers which were taken away from her uh, she awakens inside the green and meets a guy called Noel uh, who's a, a humanoid a humanoid avatar of uh, North the North American green um, and he explains that they want to use Tefe basically as a weapon to fight back against the humans who are destroying uh, the natural world which her father uh, Alec who it's a little unclear because technically Alec Holland is dead. Swamp Thing is a, a totally different thing entirely, but they, they really like changing the, the canon of this character. Um, and sort of while all that's going on, um, Abby Arcane shows up at uh, Tefe's you know, adoptive parents' house uh, to explain that basically she and Constantine and Alec had done a body swap with their daughter who was dying of cancer. Uh, and they swap Tefe's body with their dead daughter uh, in order to hide her from her her powers uh, because she was a really psychotic six year old. Uh, yeah, um, she was a really psychotic six year old. So this is obvious. I, I think that this is the one that you know is the first one that is like very different <laughs> from the previous runs. Uh, and so I'm curious where you, what you guys thought about. Uh, well, it's the only the, one the on the issue. list that opened up with a scene involving female genital mutilation, which is another yeah. thing I mentioned in our group chat this morning because I opened up this comic <laughs> and it was the second panel on the first page. Yeah, Brian came on being like, this I'm book here to make a point. So 2000, Brian Kavon, it hurts. It's like you could play Brian Kavon circa 2000 bingo with this comic. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's really well intentioned, but buddy, like, you. Oh boy. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anything that he's written at that time has... It, no, nothing that up. he wrote at that time ages well. No, but we'll get to one of those in a few weeks, so a few months, Please. who knows? Yeah. A little time. Uh, yeah, I the part I liked about this book was all the green stuff, and it was cool that they had, like, oh, the yeah. green society. The way it was designed uh, was, was really was really neat, I thought. Yeah, it was cute. Just, like, all these, like, trees and, like, pineapple creatures walking around, and then... Uh, at one point, they're like on a cable car, and it's like pee, pee up like a pea pod, and they're like doing that thing. Um, and you get to the part where you're like, "Oh, we're going to see the Parliament of Trees. Really cool!" And they're just all like on fire. And then, yeah. And the person who's in the green is like, "Yeah, well, they were acting human like, so this is what happened to them." And it's like, "Yeah, cool. I like that. That's nice. It's a nice little touch." And then everything else going on is like, mm. "I like mm. Noel, the square jawed." Uh, avatar of the green who talks like a fucking you know guy who watched platoon too many times as a kid yeah uh, or, or a teenager <laughs> absolutely uh, I, I think that guy's pretty that's that's a i think it's a good bit to make like the environmentalist guy like act like a you know a tier one operator gi sort of asshole <laughs> that's funny yeah um yeah i have I read the entire BKV run last year on on this character, 
and yeah, it, it's it's kind of rough. Um, but th- this issue in particular, I think, is like I think it's a good issue to read because it encapsulates a lot of what ends up ha- like going on in like tonally and thematically what goes on in the run. But like, boys, like it, I'm interested in know. what it has going on, but it has so many of these like trappings that just have not aged yeah. well at all. And like, so I do just kind of like end up wincing a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like shock value stuff in here. Mm-hmm. Like the, oh, we, you know, we're, we, we, we swap bodies with your dying daughter. And, you know, our daughter was like, she was like an epic six year old who killed some guys who cut a forest down which you know th- there is a storyline in in older swamp thing comics about how like they have to you know do this to tefe because she is going to cause an, the apocalypse mm-hmm. by killing humans who are you know destroying the environment not that she'd necessarily be wrong for doing that <laughs> but the the way that it's portrayed here is very like oh and she, she like cut their legs off with a chainsaw and it's like and yep. strung them up yeah, like, dude. Yeah. Uh, okay. How did she get up there? She's got well, something powers. And she well, yeah, she has. She has. Yeah. She, she she has like some supernatural powers. Okay. Because we don't. Really she doesn't see her just. Use she doesn't powers, just you know? have a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, yeah, that'd be impressive. Just like, wow. Yeah, she 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 has a lot of Swamp Thing's powers, and she she can do other stuff too. She like duplicates her body, mm. uh, in the first issue to, fake like I said, fake her death. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, Constantine is very like he, he's the father. How to describe Constantine in this issue, but his facial expressions just—he re- looks like a little trickster. He's all the time. really it, cartoony in this book. It's yeah. not like it's not like human. It's like and his face never really like sets. It's always like doing two different things. At the same yeah, time. or it's yeah. like doing that. Yeah, and yeah, you know. the Roger Peterson art does not at all match the tone of this book um i I don't really care for it like for either way but it it feels very much saturday morning cartoon where this book is you know yeah trying very hard not to be that which you know maybe that's the point of like wow look how twisted it is Um, welcome to my twisted green (laughs) yeah yeah you know rick and morty style or something I, i don't know um, but that will bring us to the series that started it all for me and my love of Swamp Thing, which is the uh, Scott Snyder New 52 run. We read issue number 10, which is drawn by uh, Francesco Francavia, uh, with a cover by Yannick Paquette, who was uh, one of the, the main artists on the book. Um, but Swamp Th- the, the New 52 run on Swamp Thing brought in Scott Snyder to, to write the character, and it leans a lot more into the sort of horror roots of the character uh then yeah most of the previous runs like uh, like you know they are horror comics but not to the degree that that this one was um and this issue sort of follows uh swamp thing after a battle with uh the uh the rot uh he's he's found he, he and abby are sort of uh, recovering, going back to the swamp in Louisiana so that he can heal. And while that's happening, he's being taunted by the, the recently reincarnated Anton Arcane, uh, who's in his head telling him about all of the awful things that Abby has done uh, over the years. Um, and then it ends with him coming, uh, with Anton Arcane showing up and capturing uh, Abby. But what did you guys think about this issue? 
I found it a little hard to follow. Uh, yeah. But, like, I kind of enjoyed reading it. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the hard thing with Snyder's run is that, like, it is so much uh, one coat telling one cohesive story that it was hard to find, yeah. like, a good... I-, I really wanted to get a Snyder issue in there because, like, his run really did revitalize the character yeah. uh, in the New 52 and was, like, super critically acclaimed. But, yeah, it is the it was the hardest one to find an issue where you could sort of just die. Like, even the first issue, I feel like... It, it sets up it, it spends so much time like setting up the plot that it wouldn't really give like also i, I think there's like one page of swamp thing in that issue like the rest <laughs> yeah. is just superman's yeah. in it though superman it, is in it and batman and that but, yeah, one's superman the, horror, to the horror tone of the series which is what i really remember like when i yeah. picked it up uh similarly to jean luc it was my first swamp thing read and it was like oh this is a scary this is a creepy little book it was like that yeah. that and animal man were like the two books that i read around that time that i was like whoa these are these are really cool really good yeah um and this issue in particular i remember i don't remember it being francesco francavia but it kind of makes sense this is probably the first francesco francavia thing i've read which is which is also kind of neat uh back yeah. in the day but just like really establishing anton arcane as this like creepy as shit creature thing and just like in the like from the perspective of the person who he's like torturing and he's like ah, i'm anton arcane listen to my story <laughs> uh, which, which was lots of fun uh, I... yeah but uh, well, you, you can go. I have, I have a question, but it's... Uh, oh, no, go for it. Okay. Um, so, I feel like the comics have not entirely been clear, or maybe I am just not 100% on it, but, like, what is the relationship between Abby Arcane and Anton Arcane? Is She's that... his daughter. Okay, because, yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure if, like, that was, like, actually her dad or, like, what was no, supposed I... to be going on there. Yeah, Anton is is actually her dad. He is also, like, Swamp Thing's major... Yeah. Nemesis. He's, like, the Joker to Swamp Thing's Batman. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he, he sort of represents, like, death and, and decay and rot, rot, and that's, like, a lot of his power. Gotcha. What about his powers are and built that's around. like in opposition to Swamp Thing yeah, about yeah. like life and shit. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of the a lot of the iconic Swamp Thing runs like the Alan, he's like the villain of the first like ten issues of the Alan Moore run. Gotcha. He's a villain from the from the Len Wein run, and then he's like also the the main villain in well not just the Scott Snyder Swamp Thing book, but also the the Jeff Lemire Animal okay. book. Uh, which yeah. tie in with with Je- with uh, Animal Man? You know, Swamp Thing has a psycho daughter, and Animal Man has a psycho son. So I see, yeah, you know, many parallels between the Good characters. Stuff. Yeah, and at the time it was like they did like a whole crossover, but it's like you know, Swamp Thing's the green, Anton Arcane's the art, the the rot, and then Animal Man's like the red, red. the red, which is yeah. like animal animal things, which was yeah, neat stuff. At the yeah, time. okay, um, cool. I'm happy that this one, like this issue, I really enjoyed, and it like it's a great issue. Yeah. That series and. Honestly, like, I want to reread it, and I think it's something that I think would actually hold up. When um, I got to oh. the end of the issue, I was like, it's over? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, this one definitely does uh, do the thing of, like, oh, my God, yeah, they really changed how they write comics, huh? Because there's yeah, 20 not... pages of this compared to 8 pages of the, <laughs> yeah. you know, thing of fan, yeah. House of Secrets, of yeah. Or whatever <laughs> yeah this is definitely a lot like easier it's a lot easier to read but i love the the like the panels at the beginning Mm -hmm. of like arcane in swamp thing's head and obviously like so much of this issue is francesco francavia just like taking over Mm -hmm. um and doing amazing yeah i was excited to see francavia's name uh when i pulled this issue up 
Yeah. Which is like, I guess not, not like disappointed by the choice of thing, but I was also like, oh, but Yannick Paquette and Marco Rudy are there. So it's hard like looking at this run yeah. and it's like, there's, there's such great art and the stuff they do that like, I think really um, hasn't been done by a Swamp Thing artist before. And like, I, I, totally. I mean, Stefan Bissette is like definitely set the tone for it, but they also like yeah. took that a step further, which I mean, if yeah. we ever, do, do you read the whole series as a thing? Yeah. Paquette and Rudy definitely feel much more like descendants of Bissette in terms of like their Swamp Thing stuff, but obviously they, they do new stuff with it, but like they sort of take that like original Alan Moore, Stephen Bissette aesthetic. Whereas like what Frank Avia does here is obviously very different, um, but it's, it's, it's effective. I also think that like some of the like, 2000s edgy stuff actually works a lot better here i like, agree the actually there's the page turn where it's like where it's the reveal that like abby killed her mom and there's the page turn where she's like sitting in the lap and it's re- yeah. sitting in her lap and it's revealed that she's like dead and decaying it's but it's same, like yeah it, it, i feel like it's much more like it doesn't have the millar or vaughn sort of like well we have to do some like jokes about this you know or we have to like couch it in all this like yeah backstory where here it's treated with like the gravitas that it should actually like get and as a result it's like actually scary and disturbing and not like eye roll roll it's it's such a great scene because she's you know she's an innocent kid like probably like not even a year old and then her mom's just like afterlife with archie you know (laughs) yeah yeah but, but actually dead and it's like oh and and it's sort of played against like the abby in the in the present you know yeah. who is you know not a vile she's just she's such a being of like like genetically and like you know from her family that's such a being of like okay she's the champion of the rot and this stuff but it's like oh but she's choosing not to be and that's that yeah. is a lot what that series is with like how much your choices really matter versus your like baseline like instinct and like yeah all that stuff going on and it is really also like a 19 issue love story about Swamp it Thing is and, and his girl yeah it's good stuff and that um, first issue was like i remember reading and it's like okay it sets the horror tones and that's what i was expecting from the series and not knowing swamp thing because like every other something we've read other than maybe that mark millar one is all about like the love story and that, that like, yeah. that's really the, the the core and like you know trying to yeah. find that and this one was like horror but then like the love story was a nice surprise in it yeah. Just being the introduction, no. so yeah. This is a this is a, this is a good issue. We, I, it'd be fun maybe to do that at some point. I, I reread all of oh, yeah. it a couple of years ago, and it did actually hold up pretty well. So yeah. Uh, still to this day, I think probably, you know, I think Scott Snyder hasn't written anything good in a while, but there will always be this to go back to and be like, yeah, he yeah. he actually there was a reason that he was like thought of as a great writer. And having uh, not read it in a while, I still think it's the second best Swamp Thing run after Alan Moore but yeah i would have to go and check yeah i i'd say that's probably well i don't know because the the ram v mike perkins run i think gives it a run for its money um which is the the next book on our docket this one i i mean we've all read this is probably the only one where we've all read like the whole run yeah um and we for 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 this episode we we read issue four which is a sort of another issue i i felt like it fit thematically because it's you know the Swamp Thing and his girlfriend in the green. Um, in this case, it's a it's a new Swamp Thing. It's uh, Levi Kame is his name, uh, and his his girlfriend's name is Jennifer Reese. But uh, it's about them in the green uh, interacting with some classic Swamp Thing characters. Alec Holland is there. Uh, Jason Woodrew, the Floronic Man, who is a, a classic Swamp Thing villain, uh, is is also there. 
and you know it's all about sort of levi this whole run is really about levi coming to terms with being the swamp thing and what it means to like be this deeply involved with the green um yeah what did you guys think about uh about this one well, I mean, I, I liked this run when we read it, and I enjoyed getting to revisit this uh, this issue and these characters. Uh, yeah. I uh, enjoyed getting to see that little bit of Poison Ivy again, because she, she, <laughs> she sort of showed, like, it's, like, it's Poison Ivy, but it's not really Poison Ivy. You, you gotta, you gotta go read the... Gotta go read the run, guys. Uh, yeah. But uh, she shows up for a little bit, and, like, that's fun, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed uh, this little revisit. Yeah. Back to my yeah. Swamp Thing roots <laughs> of two years ago. Those were the days. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was, again, a, a great issue. And there there's a page we're going through. I think it's two pages. But the first one where they're going through, like, Swamp Thing's history. And it's like, the green is fighting with its own with its own history and its own memories. And, like, the memories of humans aren't good. So it's, like, fighting with himself because, like, Alec Holland kind of you know is was in there deep in that he's not anymore um it's a good issue and then the fucking suicide squad shows up <laughs> <laughs> well i mean at Which least I, we only had to see them for that last page uh we didn't have yeah. to read any of the issue where they're actually there yeah which is why like like i do remember really liking this series and maybe why i don't this maybe this is why this one's number three is because i do remember that too like two issues or issue and a half where just like another suicide squad's fighting him for some we reason. Because we gotta put the suicide gone. squad and everything because they're really popular right now. Yeah, because the movie's coming out so we gotta release <laughs> some suicide squad issues. It's all that Swamp Thing movie's fault. It started this. <laughs> it started this madness. But it, yeah, it's like yeah. Good old good old, good old, old suicide squad but a, a great issue and I like what Ram B did with like really doing a change to Swamp Thing that hasn't been seen since probably Brian K. Vaughn's run. Uh, I haven't read Brian K. Vaughn's run except for that one issue, though, so it's like... Yeah. It's easy for me to see Ram V's is better and also, like, probably age as well because it was two years ago and it's still good. Um, yeah. Well, there, there have been a lot of different people who are in the... the who become the Swamp, Swamp Thing avatar. They kind of always end up going back to Alec Holland at the end of all of it. Um, but, but I do really like his take on the green of, like, they go in there and it's been not necessarily polluted, but like, you know, infested with like the memories of the humans who have been avatars of the green and, and that sort of like, like having to grapple with that, I think is, is really cool. And that, that panel where, you know, Swamp Thing is sort of at the center of it talking to Holland and it's got the like pulsing, uh, pan, like the way they depict the green in this comic is so gorgeous. Oh yeah, Mike Perkins absolutely knocks it out of the park. Like it's not uh, as fun and quirky and... as like the little city that we got in uh, the BKB <laughs> issue, but like it's yeah. this like lush, gorgeous yeah. swamp, like uh, like ever going swamp. It's really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like much more in line with the classic like Morbiset version yes, of the Green. One hundred and ten percent. But it also like it incorporates some of the horror elements of the of the Snyder Paquette run as well. Then, like there's a yeah. lot of like reds, and you, you see some of the decay, uh, and the Floronic Man is you know genuinely kind of uh, like when he reveals himself, it's what he says is a little chilling at the end. But, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. Mike Perkins, who I think we all I don't know if we all started with him, maybe not started with him, but it was the Lois Lane run where 
the first yeah. five issues or so were good, but then eventually it got to the point where it's like this artist and this book do not do not mesh, do not mesh at all. And in this this issue is like, and this series is like, it's perfect for Mark Perkins because like the people he draws, they're always a little like there's always a little sinisterness to them. And when you're doing like a investigative journalism book, it's like you're looking for things that aren't there, and you're like the face just looks weird. But this is just like it's gorgeous, gorgeous <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah, no, Mike, Mike Mike Perkins does really good stuff on on this issue for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are the sort of the the quick. I say quick, but we've gone like forty minutes talking about those. Yeah, because we we're uh, getting into actual discussion also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is which is fine. I mean, I we wanted to to talk about them, but mm-hmm. just like I want to talk about them, you know, not so much individually, but more as a whole as well. Um, so I'm curious, just sort of like high level. Um, there's obviously a lot of differences in how these are written, but uh, specifically there's like a frequent like observation or critique that's made of contemporary superhero comics and of superhero comics in general, that they've gotten like more dark and more adult over time. Um, Swamp Thing is kind of in a weird place because it's never really been in the sort of like kids stable in the way that like, you know, Superman or Batman or the Teen Titans were, um, but how do you sort of see that? Like, do, do you see that sort of play out over these issues? Do you see like the, the tonal shifts uh, happening with, with Swamp Thing as we go from the seventies the to the eighties, to the nineties, the two thousands, the 2010s and the 2020s? There, there are tonal shifts, but I feel like it's more like, as opposed to like a gradation from like being like less dark to more dark. Like it just yeah. seems like, almost like i i don't know i would have to like sort of plot them on a chart like what i thought the darkness <laughs> level of each of these comics were but it wouldn't be yeah. like a it wouldn't be going straight up for sure like i feel like there's just a, a i i feel like it's actually really an interesting assortment of uh like levels of intensity as far as the story goes uh from one comic to the next i wasn't really sure what i was going to get uh, as I was going through each book and I thought it was really interesting to see like where future books would be taking things from previous books or like reinterpreting them, uh, which is, you know, like the fun of doing these like through the ages sorts of things. You get to see like the, the progression. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. I think, I think that, I mean, in the first, first time you see Swamp Thing and, you know, House, I keep looking over here. House of Mystery 90 or House 92. 92. Uh, 92. Yeah, House of Mystery. It's, it's, House of Secrets. A, House of Secrets. Why do I have something? I'm going to edit that right now <laughs> in case I want to bring it up one more time. Uh, but it it does a great job of setting the floor of how scary or how, you know, how, how horror Swamp Thing is at a base level. And I don't think it ever really dips below that. I think the Brian K. Vaughn has it, – it's a different way to do it where it's it's brighter and stuff and the art doesn't really – do it, but I think if the art was a little different, there still are. It's still creepy. Um, yeah, and ha- having that baseline like allows people like Alan Moore and like Scott Snyder to really take it in 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 darker directions, but ways that are like they feel natural. It's not like if you're doing a Superman comic and it was like of a similar tone as like Alan Moore Swamp Thing or like Scott Snyder's Swamp Thing, you'd be like, that's oh, a little weird, like to go that way. And not that we can't have those stories, but it feels it all feels like natural. Like okay, this does make sense for Swamp Thing. Yeah. And I feel like it, they, they kind of go in different directions, too, because, like, I, I would say equally, like, you know, Scott Snyder's Swamp Thing and Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, you know, 
equally aren't really kids comics, but also like the reasons for that are different. Like the Snyder book is, is way more of a, is way more of, of a horror book. The, the more book is like less horror, but still like dealing with more like mature themes and dealing with them, like in ways that are not like watered down in the ways that you would often see, like books that are written like superhero comics that are written for younger teens or kids. Right. So it's always kind of interesting to, to see it in like contrast to like, say the Batman issues that we read, which very much had like Swamp Thing never really goes to the sort of like, Oh golly, like sort of era that, um, you know, a lot of the other superheroes do because of uh, when he was, when he was created. He never fought the eraser. He, yeah, right. Exactly. Swamp, like no. that's the thing is like Swamp Thing. There's definitely very comic booky elements of, to Swamp Thing, but like he doesn't have like the the goofy rogues gallery. Not being around in the Silver Age really does make like yeah. Any character that's been around the Silver Age can tell goofy stories, even if they're a serious person now or a thing like that. And yeah. I mean, you could tell a goofy Swamp Thing story, but it would be a little bit like, is this still kind of Swamp Thing? They is, did a good is, job with it in, in Harley Quinn. The animated I need show. to watch that. Show, I, I still have not watched like the most recent season, which is really a shame because I actually, wait really. Yeah, I just I've seen uh I've seen the first few episodes, but I just didn't uh I like haven't gotten around to finishing it because I keep uh, okay I keep putting it on. So, you know the like annoying hippie guy in Mark Millar's Swamp Thing issue. Yeah, is that Swamp so Thing? they kind of reinvent Swamp Thing as being like that guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> A, a hippie weed smoking guy Hell who yeah. lives in the swamps in Louisiana and like yeah. knows all the good farmers market. Hell yeah! <laughs> uh, it's 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 genuinely really funny. Okay, yeah, um, I'm it's gonna. A, it's, a, it's a great. Thing. <laughs> I'm gonna get off nice. this call when we finish recording and go on Harley Quinn. <laughs> I think I'll start it today because I'm I'm all caught dude, up on Velvet, Harley so. Quinn's really good, dude. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I saw the trailer for the they doing the Valentine's they have Day a Valentine's thing. Yeah, a Valentine's Day yeah, special like, that's coming out in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that's sort of you know I, that I kind of wanted to touch on about that's that's sort of I think in all of these is that Swamp Thing has always kind of like thematically been tied to like environmentalism, um, and you know the interconnectedness of nature. Uh, and he's so so the character is kind of inextricable inextricable from that. So I, I'm curious, like how you think different writers handle that if they handled it well how you think what you think the trajectory has been like for that and if you think like if it's a useful lens to like look at different eras of swamp thing based on what you guys have have the, the little that you guys have have read for for today and also if you have other you know knowledge of the character yeah i i mean i think it's always it's always there in what swamp thing started in the 70s yeah which was a big sort of like I don't know if that's like a time when there was a lot of environmental activism, but like, you know, past that time and, and sort of going there, it kind of, it kind of makes sense. And he's, he's a swampy boy. And I know Alan Moore's run does go into it more in the other issues you get. You know, we, we don't really get that in this one. Cause it's really, I mean, you, you do, cause it's like the whole world and stuff and the death and the life, but it goes a lot deeper in, in the other stuff. Yeah. I don't think Mark Millar's does. Not really. No. no. Ram, Ram V's does. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I think is interesting is that like it's sort of wrapped back around to like now Swamp Thing is being written by people who were like, I mean, Mark Millar, very inspired by Alan Moore, to be clear. But like now Swamp Thing is being written by people who are like acolyte, acolytes of like that original Moore run, you know, like Ram yeah. V, I think, takes a lot of inspiration for like from mm -hmm. both like in terms of like the story and like thematically mm -hmm. like those two, I think, are very much about, you know, 
protecting nature and the role that Swamp Thing has in like yeah. understanding nature on a level that like and trying to portray the like way he understands it in, in ways that like other like people really can't. Yeah. And I mean Scott Snyder's run takes a bit more of like a militaristic view to it where you have these oh, yeah. three these three factions going at it. So it's it, it's never really like feels like it's like preaching to you reading the comic book. It's like okay, it makes sense. Like he's the you know, the person of the green or the, the, the creature of the green, the champion of the green. Yeah. And and that's like intrinsic to Swamp Thing. So I don't know how you tell a Swamp Thing story where you're not touching on it, even if you're not explicitly doing it in that issue. It's just always yeah. like, oh, it's Swamp Thing. That's like the whole deal. Yeah. Yeah. Emily, did you have thoughts here? Um, I don't know. Uh, like I, you know, it is sort of like this intrinsic part of the, the character. And I think it's interesting to see like, the different like degrees to which it is incorporated into the story based on who's writing it. Uh, well, obviously, like we said, like it doesn't really come up that much in the Mark Millar issue, but we also only read one issue. So, uh, you know, I, yeah. as far as I'm aware, I can't say how much it does or does not uh, it, or factor into the wider story uh, of that run. But um I think it's also a really interesting way of like viewing the sort of like overall cultural ideas about like environmental conservatism over the years and how that sort of like ranged in uh, being at the forefront of people's minds. And you can sort of see that reflected back in how much it is uh, a focus of the comic. Yeah, I mean, it's funny how much of BKV's run is just like, oh yeah, an inconvenient truth just came out well, and BKV well, yeah. Yeah. got really mad, uh, which like is reasonable to be clear. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, because it feels very BKV to be like reactionary in that way. Not like maybe reactionary is the wrong word, but it's like if it's on his mind, he's just like goes straight deep into it. Maybe, maybe without thinking completely all the way through and how this is going to look and. You know, fifty yeah. years. Like like reactionary not in the political sense, but in the more yeah, 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 sense yeah. of what the word means. Yeah. So like is BKV's run is that the like the, the guiding thing? Oh yeah. BKV's run is all about like the, so much so much of it is like Tefe like going on the like it's 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 classic. I mean, like, she's an you know, ego terrorist. She or they is, want her to be an ego terrorist. Yeah. yeah. The, it's it's the sort of like hero's journey thing of like, oh I was chosen, I wish I hadn't been chosen, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but like, yeah, like a huge part of it is that like, yeah, the, it's, it's about the green wanting to like literally fight back against, you know, pollution and, and humans disregard for, for nature. Which is interesting that that is that the, I mean, we only read one issue of course, but like, it feels like that was the least horary one that we read where it's yeah. really yeah. just like focusing more on, on, on the ego issues. Oh yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, I would argue that like it's sort of the opposite of the more run in some ways where, or not the opposite, but like the more run is obviously very concerned with issues like that, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's much less about like, Oh, everything is being destroyed and we have to like fight back and, you know, fuck some people up. It's and more about how, like, look at how beautiful like the world is through when you look at it from, from Swamp Thing's perspective and from the perspective of of nature. Mm -hmm. And like, there is that sort of like conservationist aspect to it as well. But yeah, the, the sort of military environmental militarism of BKV's run is actually one of the things that I think like BKV's run has a lot of problems, but like that is one of the things about it that I think is actually really interesting. Um, yeah. 
and and really cool. So uh, the last thing I sort of want to touch on, and I know we're kind of running out of time here, but I want to, you know, sort of talk about Abby. Uh, we, we don't see her in, in every issue. We've sort of touched on like, you know, her role throughout the, uh, you know, through the different being consistent through the different characters, uh, through the different runs and iterations of Swamp Thing. But uh, how did you feel about how like the writers handle writing Ab? different writers handle, handle writing Abby and, and not just Abby, but, you know, we can extend that also to, you know, there's obviously a different love interest in Jennifer Reese and the, uh, the Ram V run. And, and then of course there's Linda who, you know, is at, ends up being Abby. She's just sort of the, like proto Abby, prototype Abby. Abby. Yeah. 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 In, in House <laughs> of Secrets. I liked Abby. I thought, um, I mean, I, I, unfortunately I feel like we don't get a whole lot about her character as far as individual issues go. Like most of what we know is like, she really wants to fuck Swamp Thing. And I think that's great. That's, like, great for her. <laughs> I, like, totally support her on this. But um, I don't think she's badly written. I just sort of, like, maybe wish... I And I guess, you know, that's just also part of, like, only reading one issue per run is, like, you're not going to get much in one issue. But um, I would have liked to see more of, like, what else she has going on. Yeah. yeah. Definitely in the more run, she gets a lot more. Yeah, and I and I could kind of pick like I kind of felt that when I was even reading that first issue that it seemed like they like, Mm -hmm. it seemed like a comic that took her seriously, and not that any of them didn't, but uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I mean like the more run, like I guess the issue we read is sort of like a sort of like a reprieve after a lot of stuff stuff is yeah. going on and it's like it's it, it, it's a nice emotional payoff for it um but yeah i think for me it's like the the scott snyder run she's very like front and center and her sort of her i mean throughout her history it's like oh my dad's you know anton arcane he's the big bad guy um but at that one specifically it's like she's like the most powerful sort of like being of rot and it's like what does that mean for her and what what can she do and can she escape it? Can she use the rod in a good way? Can rod ever, you know, death and all, all that stuff be, be used. Um, so I think like overall, like the issues we read, Abby is just sort of, she's again, she's not bad, but she's not given all that much like meat to her, like you were saying. Anna, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I like her as a character. Yeah. I have to say the Snyder reboot, I think is, is one of the, you know, actually one of the few new 52 books that used like wiping away the old continuity and it, like in a way that's actually kind of interesting and compelling um just because like yeah it's totally you know you don't have to have abby being the like whiny mother anymore which is basically when she shows up in the bkb book is all that she is and um you know it's it's kind of cool to see her in a in, in a totally new way where she you know kind of can be a villain at some points it's good stuff we should do the scott snyder one thing book yeah <laughs> i think that'd be fun good stuff um, but yeah, what, uh, I guess that'll about do it for Swamp Thing stuff, but before we, we fully wrap that up, who, which Swamp Thing character do we think cries the most? It's a very ear-expanding question, because if it was that first issue, I'd be like... It's definitely Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. Now, you know what? It's just Swamp Thing. I think, I think it is Swamp Thing. I think... He's a sad boy in the Yeah, swamp. you know, that's like, that's whole... his thing. He's a sad boy. Like... Yeah. Yeah. 
That's no, that's fair. I think that's uh, that's a that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. His life is a his life is a tragedy, <laughs> but then it becomes his life becomes great after a while. Like yeah, he, figures, he gets his shit. He meets he some people, gets, gets in touch with nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, goes on vacation. Yeah, it's good. It's Stops stuff. working so much. Like he becomes homies done. with John Constantine. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I will say I was a little disappointed that we didn't get any brightest day issues because there's a whole like wow. uh, brightest day swamp thing was so integral. I forgot about that. Okay, I guess I had read some Swamp Thing before, but only in the context of Brightest Day. I can't believe they did a Brightest Day thing where they were like, oh my god, Swamp Thing's so important to this resurrection. And then they, they like, wrapped it up in, like, a after Brightest Day Swamp Thing one-shot. That's not included in the collection. Yeah. Well, Hmm. that's because DC Editorial, like, had no idea what they were doing with Brightest Day. Like, Brightest Day was just a disaster on all fronts, I think it's fair to say. The first, the first uh, two volumes are good. And then you realize the third one, like, everything, uh, by the end of the, sorry to talk about Brightest Day, the next book we're talking about. Just kidding, we'll never do it. Um, (laughs) Wait a minute, I thought we were going to do Brightest Day at some point. Oh, we'll do Blackest Night first and we'll do some Brightest Day. Okay, fair, fair enough, fair enough. I'm very happy, I'm very happy, I'm smiling right now. Um. But the first two volumes, like things start to go a little off the rails in the second volume. And the third volume is just like completely like, shit, we have eight issues to wrap up this story that we haven't thought about. <laughs> but we decided to have like 40 different storylines going on, which is great. Yep. Mm-hmm. And those 40 different storylines come to be- combine to make the sound of the doomsday clock, uh, <laughs> which uh, signals that it's time for the cry space, which is a new segment where we're talking about. Uh, just you know something unrelated to the episode necessarily that uh made us cry this week uh in the two weeks since the last episode uh do you guys did you guys come prepared i did go for it i always come prepared for the cry space uh, because i always have something to fucking cry about uh i (laughs) a few days ago was making enchiladas for me and my friends they were delicious uh black bean and sweet potato enchiladas Oh, nice. and, but while I was making them, uh, I cut my finger very badly on a uh, on the lid, the the cut lid of the enchilada sauce because I was lazy and I got canned enchilada sauce. And in the process of cutting my finger, I also spilled some of the enchilada sauce on the floor and had to clean it up. So that's my cry space. Cry space isn't that you. It's not that you cut yourself. It's that I injured myself. It's that I injured myself and I made a big mess that I had to clean up, and it meant that was less enchilada sauce to go in my enchiladas. Yeah, which is really understandable. Yeah, that is tragic. Alex, do you have one? Um. Oh, so my ankle, right? It's all good now. It's twisted my ankle. And then I get up a couple days ago and my knee's like, huh? So it's like, I don't know. You're not even in your 30s uh, yet. You're already falling apart. I am. But my real cry space is I played a a Dead Space remake and it was very spooky. Mm. It made me very scared. Uh, Was it good? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I'm a few hours in. I'm writing. I'm writing a review for an outlet that's not CG Magazine about it. Cheating on CG Uh, Mag. I know. Can you can you bleep out CG Magazine? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's not. Uh, my cry space is that HBO Max finally allowed me to watch Black Adam a few days ago. <laughs> well, I swear you watched that. I swear you watched like a chunk of that previously. No, no, I kept trying to watch it in HBO Max. Every time I tried to watch it, like the HBO Max app would crash. Yeah, that's what you're remembering, Alex. Uh, on, yeah, on my on my TV. So 
I finally it kept crashing when uh, one of my podcast co-hosts was trying to watch Elvis. So like yeah, this I is just happening. The... They're I charging us more, and movie. their app won't even function. It, it functions even less than it has. iMovies.to has everything. Yeah, yeah, so... but the the difference is, is that I have the HBO Max app on my TV, and it's convenient. Sure. Um, that exactly. I, I, if I was smart, I would have just torrented it and put it in my Plex server, and that because I also have the Plex app on my TV, so I would have just watched it that way. You have like a Chromecast, but, you can just cast to it or something, right? Yeah, you could. You could actually, that's but I don't have a Chromecast. Plex has a phone app, also. If you, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I have it on my iPad for when I'm in bed. Nice. Uh, I need to just watch episodes of Evangelion. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm just lull you to sleep. <laughs> Just feel the urge. That's my real cry space. How many episodes in are you? Five episodes in. Of, of oh Ava? Yeah. Excellent. And we haven't gotten her. I haven't heard a report since the first episode. Damn. Yes. But anyway, my the, the point is, is that Black Adam sucked. <laughs> no. uh, I, got, I, I, I heard had, it was I a was really a, good concept trailer. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I wouldn't even go that far. I was in the, I was in the throes of COVID while I was watching it. So that like definitely didn't help, but like, man, does that movie just like not end? Like it gets to a point where like they resolve the main conflict of the movie and I'm like, oh, it has to like, okay, there we're like going to credits. Right. And then I like, so I clicked to like, look at the runtime and there was like 40 minutes left in the movie, uh, where they introduce a new conflict uh that they okay. have to resolve. <laughs> um, how is uh how is Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Well, Fate? I was gonna say that the biggest bummer is that they totally waste like Pierce Brosnan is fantastic in the movie and he is like totally wasted. Fun and words. I love mm. to get like an actual like Pierce Brosnan led Doctor F- either Doctor Fate movie or you know Pierce Brosnan Doctor Fate in an actual JSA movie. Which this is not like if 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 I if you had told me that there'd be that they would reimagine the JSA as like Suicide Squad two, uh, I would first get really mad and then not believe that that was a thing, and then I watch Black Adam and that is exactly what they did. Um, but it doesn't. None of it matters. It's all getting wiped away. None of this. Dwayne the Rock Johnson will never play Black Adam again. All of these actors will never appear in a DC film again. It's 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 over for you know all the DC stuff, and it's also over for Zachary Levi, who Un- oh my god, lasted his his anti-vax views. But it, it's oh a, wait, it's hold okay. on, is that what happened? I saw he was trending yeah. earlier, and I didn't. He said he hates Pfizer. I well, check it out. <laughs> Pretty pretty clear in the context of what he was quote tweeting. I'm just I'm just so happy that this stuff is Yikes. happening right before the movies are coming out. It's like DC Comics is on a roll with yeah. their movies. They're just like yeah. they have the rock drama and Zachary Levi's like maybe vaccines don't work. I don't know. Anti vax Shazam, domestic abuser Flash. You know, oh my, you got the yo, they're, 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 they're probably keep both those guys on though. Well, yeah, they did. There was an article. There was a report that James Gunn wants to keep Ezra Miller as Flash. In the, but we'll say it's weird Wars, that yeah. Jeff Johns is an executive producer on Black Adam. To hear that what happened with the Justice Society is like yeah. interesting. But anyway, well, it's because they didn't let him use his favorite Justice Society character, Star Girl. So damn, he would never make her an agent of the state. But go see anyway. Shazam. I just theaters. I just went. I was looking for the Zachary Levi tweet. 
I found it. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that hard to find. God, apparently he's that... been on fucking Joe Rogan. Ugh. Yeah, he yeah, he was on Joe Rogan talking about how much he loves Jordan Peterson. Yeah, I ju- that's what I just yeah, saw. So, yeah. Bikes on bikes. I met him once. Yeah, so that guy kind of sucks. No, sorry. Womp, um, womp. But Anyway, thanks for listening to this podcast. Sorry to end it on the downer note of Zachary Levi. Join us next week for Ex Machina. Two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. Yeah. uh, One day, because all my other podcasts, well, that's not even true anymore. Most of my other podcasts, the one that I put the most effort into is weekly. So that's why I think of everything as weekly still forever. But um, two weeks. Wow, this isn't the podcast you put the most effort into? Well, I don't edit this one, so like Not automatically no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fair. Uh, but ne- next two weeks, next machina, ex, ex machina. Yeah, I ex so machina. I'm I'm reading the first twenty five issues. You guys don't have to read that far, and I don't know if you'll get. I have volume. I have book books one through five in comicsology. Okay. So that's what I was okay, planning then, on reading. Then that is the amount. Uh, so those don't know about Ex Machina, it's about a superhero who stops half of 9-11. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think is, is the yeah, pitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He, stops he stops one of the planes from hitting the towers. And uh, <laughs> and then he runs for mayor of New York City. And yeah. it is an interesting <laughs> book that we will talk about. I um, Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so look forward to that in two weeks. <laughs> There's all these shots of the New York skyline with half of the World Trade Center. There is one of the greatest, one of the greatest cliffhanger things. I think it's the end of issue one. Might be in the end of issue two. Involves the World Trade Center. All I'm gonna say. I wish. I almost wish that we recorded the video for this so that l- listeners could have seen me fall down in my seat <laughs> when you guys said this. Oh boy. <sighs> Well, um, issue issue one of Ex Machina is fucking wild from my record. Oh boy, it has one of my all time favorite conversations I've read in a comic book. Which it, it just gets well, it's better. probably we'll, about nine we'll, eleven, so that makes sense. It's not. It's it. It's not. <laughs> I think I know. Oh boy! All right, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about well, it. Well, tune about in it. next episode. <laughs> Um, but until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Crying Book Club. I am at Milton Dewliker. Emily is at Mpandanata. Alex is at Alex Hansiak. Uh You can also follow me on Letterboxd at, at JLBotville. Emily is Pandabore on Letterboxd. You can follow her Twitch also at Pandabore. And listen to our other podcasts. Imagine me and Yushina, the Fresh Podcast Market, which shockingly had a new episode yeah recently. we're back baby yeah. no that um, was startling is this ongoing are we continuing we're, we're back for real Sick. and then and, yeah and that looks terrible uh, and that looks terrible yeah yeah i was blanking on the name of that sorry one. i cut the i kind of cut the, the flow of that <laughs> there were new episodes um but yeah thank you for listening and we will uh talk to you all in two weeks a special guest zachary levi Bye bye